Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca slash IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC, Follow the Money, Investing with Purpose, a show where we have real conversations with the people who are driving change in our community. Nobody better to represent that than my longtime friend, past guest, potential longtime friend. That's a stretch, but Brett, it's so good to see you. I got Brett Colvin, CEO of Good Lawyer. How you doing, my friend? Doing really well, my friend. And uh, yeah, I think longtime friend is, a, is an okay moniker for this relationship. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I kind of threw that out there. I was like, oh, Ty, you're getting loose with your longtime friend statements over here. But we <laughs> met about two, we actually just to chat, it's about our two year anniversary when you and I first met. It was a very different world. The days were dark and the skies were looming. It was the middle of COVID. It was, you know, we aired our episode in June, but I think we chatted now when, when at that point we were still talking about like, oh, we're weeks away. Like we'll be back to the office by, you know, by, by July. This is almost done. Little, little did we know. And in the meantime of all that, you've been building a kick-ass startup, disrupting an industry that, well, I've got my own biases, but I think needs to be disrupted. And I know you, I know you agree with that or you wouldn't be doing what you do. So let's jump in the quick uh, Collisions YYC elevator. Tell us, uh, tell us what, what, what's Good Lawyer all about, Brett, and we'll, go, we'll pick it up from there. Mm. For sure. Uh, good Lawyer is a marketplace that connects solo good lawyers with startup founders across Canada. And really from day one, uh, I mean, this idea has been percolating all the way back from law school, but, um, you know, really the idea around good lawyer was that billable hours didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I didn't think that it was a fair allocation of risk when you're dealing with, with a lawyer that, um, the lawyer would take zero risk and the client would always take all of the risk. Uh, it also, <laughs> the billable hour and frankly, the traditional partnership model bakes in a lot of what I saw as bad incentives. And we just tried to strip those away as much as possible with good lawyers so that, you know, our fellow startup founders could get better, faster, and significantly more affordable access to the legal services they need to grow and scale their business. Uh, well done. We got, we, I think we have some floors to spare. So I'm going to dig in a little bit. So just appreciating the journey of any startup. 
you looked at the overall industry and you said there's a problem. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, even the evolution of the idea. It's so easy to look at, you know, where you are now as a part of why I do the show. So it's like, oh, it's so great. You got it all figured out. But usually when you peel back the layers, you're like, there's a lot of figuring it out in the process. So you really were clear and you said to help startups. When we met a couple of years ago, if I remember correctly, I don't think that was necessarily the focus. Everything else you said was 100% the same, but where you pointed that machine or pointed that, that disruption laser, if you will, um, how many versions? until we got to startups if i may be so bold to ask <laughs> i don't know maybe like 32 <laughs> uh no you're totally right i appreciate, yeah. I appreciate the honesty you're, my friend you're totally right <laughs> uh, i think if, you know when we're talking a couple of years ago um at that time we probably hadn't even narrowed uh, our focus to business only at that time we had a whole bunch of different practice areas we were doing some family law some wills some real estate some business and that was dumb because as a startup, you need to figure out who your ideal customer is. And despite the fact that, you know, pretty much every area of law could use some revamping, some, uh, you know, a fresher look for us, that was way too big of a sort of piece to bite off right at the beginning. And, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, you know, don't quote me on the exact dates. We, I wouldn't call it a pivot. I would call it more of a refinement to focus on business services exclusively and then about five months ago while we were going through the 500 global program we did some analysis and realized that hey startup founders aren't just one of our key segments they are our number one key segment and so about five months ago we refined it even further and you know the lawyers and the legal talent on the platform can serve as SMEs sort of all shapes and sizes we've helped some larger enterprises with some um, mandates but our core focus from marketing, storytelling, product development is the, is the startup founder. And, you know, it only took me three years of building good Lord to realize that I was looking at the ICP right in the mirror. <laughs> so you t- I've heard, I, I appreciate the honesty. And it's so easy to look at something that seems baked and figured it was always that way. And I like what you said though, you took, a, you, you, you pushed away the word pivot and said, well, less of a pivot and more of a refinement. And I think pivot, one of my most like the buzzy buzzwords of the last couple of years, but that refinement and the need to always be looking and all like it's always under review kind of mindset. You're right. Pivot sounds pretty drastic, but a refinement, if you're not refining, eh, you've kind of, you know, got maybe a bit lazy on your idea. So I do like that you, you switch those words around for me. That was impactful. Hey, this is my first startup rodeo. You know, this is the first time I, <laughs> I, I've tried to build a startup before and you know, I've, I'd ran contracting businesses and that kind of thing in, in my younger days, but a startup is a completely different beast. And when you're trying to literally build the future and build something that didn't exist before, it takes time and you have to be open to learning and getting smarter and looking at data if you have it. And that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, it was at the beginning of this year, we looked at our top 300 customers and 80% of them were startup founders. And that was oh, nice. a total nice. shock to me. And I've been hesitant to go down and chase the startup founders because I felt like that was just what I wanted to do. And, <laughs> you know, I was almost like feeling like I was a little bit biased towards chasing that that lane but after we did that analysis and then we started talking to um you know a huge subset of our customers it was so clear that no this this is a segment that has huge tailwinds there's more startup founders every day and for us they were the customers that were loving the experience were uh you know connecting with the stories that we were telling in our journey and they have money to spend and complex legal needs that they need help with not to mention, you know, 
a little bit tighter budgets where going to the traditional, you know, big corporate law firm just didn't make as much sense. So, um, and they're noisy. They, they, they talk to their friends and, and that's been a, a key part of well, our growth and, as well. And talk about a, talk about a group that wakes up going, God damn it. There's gotta be a better way for just about everything in their life. Right. That's why they're doing what they're doing. So to go to a traditional law firm with your startup, I'm changing the world mindset. That's just a values misalignment right out of the gate. And I'm not even criticizing anybody. That's just a values misalignment. Like we're not looking at the world the same way. So I'm curious when you first, you know, love the statement, fall in love with the problem it gets thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to Kalea Carrington, which I'm sure you, you're sure you know, and powerhouse in her own right. She said, Tyler, I fell in love with the problem, but I fell in love with my version of the problem until I started to fall in love with my customer's problem and truly understand it was when I actually started to get traction. So I'm curious for you kind of coming in as a lawyer, whose problem did you fall in love with first? Was it the problem that you saw in the legal system of like, you made the steps like, ah, billable hours, like that frustrates everybody, like service providers and, and pay and payers. So I'm curious, has that fallen in love with the problem? Like, has that moved for you and moved around? Like I'm clearly hearing now that you falling, you're falling more in love every day with the startups problem. But when you started the business, has that shifted in terms of like, which per, you know, from which angle you were looking at it from? That's a fantastic question. Um, I think, I think I mean, I've always been in love with the startup problem and, and being on the startup journey myself. It's one certainly that resonates, albeit the legal piece of the startup puzzle has always come a little bit easier given the fact that I was a corporate lawyer before. We've got a bunch of lawyers in the right. team. You know, I always had access to the legal services that I needed to grow this business. You know, even something as simple as like equity compensation that not nearly enough startups utilize because it's confusing. It's a little scary and they're not really sure how to do it. Um, but equal to the startup problem for sure for me was, um, the lawyer side of things. And that was really one of the driving insights from day one was, you know, going into law school, sorry, coming out of law school and, and just getting the sense of this access issue, which is on the client side and certainly applies to startup founders. But at the same time, just having this feeling that there was too many lawyers, it was super competitive and then working in private practice for, you know, four and a half years and just seeing a lot of unhappy lawyers, both, you know, who I was working with directly, but like it had nothing to do with the firm I was at. I just saw unhappy yep. lawyers sort of all over the place and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, even when I was running the painting franchise business way back in the day, you know, my guys would be working on some fancy lawyer houses up in Edmonton and the lawyers would tell me to you know, forget law school, kid. Like you're obviously making a good buck having your guys paint houses. Don't, like, don't should, do it. Don't, yeah. don't sell your soul, Brett. Totally. No. Young, young, young Brett, don't do it. <laughs> totally. Totally. And it was just like, what do you mean? Like you're obviously like this very successful lawyer. Like why would you encourage me not to chase a similar path? But and, you're not, but, but they weren't loving their life, right? <laughs> no. And that was the, that was the sad part for me. It was like, how can you have all of these, like, you know, on average, very bright driven people living these like, on average, pretty sad, miserable lives. And for me, that was like this, that was like this light bulb moment. I'm like, okay, if the lawyers loved being lawyers and you know, everyone else just had to deal with the lawyers, but at least they were happy, then I could understand why, you know, we've taken advantage of the monopoly as a profession for so long and we do things like we did a hundred years ago. I would get it. But that's not the case. The case is that lawyers are unhappy as sort of a collective. And, you know, it's, we've been kind of the victims of our own refusal to innovate and adopt new methods. So 
for me, you know, when I talk to lawyers um, and they're kind of curious about what we're up to a good lawyer, you know, the line that I always like to, to spit to them is, you know, I see the future of being a lawyer is all about freedom, not prestige. And like, mm, to me, oh, being like a lawyer yeah, like in today's day and age, especially with like a good lawyer around, it is really about this freedom where you can, you can go on vacation, you can travel and work, you can stay at home with your kids and make a good living because you don't have to be in a suit in an office that you're going to close the door, you know, and do the same work anyway. So to me, doing, doing your 18, doing, meeting your 1800 to 2000 hours a year billable, you know, or whatever the crazy numbers are that lawyers pull when it comes to billable time, Tyler, imagine on, literally on a treadmill, man. Ima- yeah, exactly. And I say this to you all the time. Like, imagine like, why are lawyers so miserable? I'm like, imagine everything you did all day, you were tracking it in six minute intervals, everything you did <laughs> like that, would, that, that just has like this psychological sort of negative effect on people. And, uh, you know, on good lawyer, there is no timer. Everything's value building. Everything's up front, fixed fee. Yeah. And it just changes the whole dynamic for everybody. I appreciate your answer and talking about clearly a side that you're passionate about and you know, but as a marketplace, you have multiple stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's it's a trickier, it's a trickier you know, balance to pull off or certainly as a marketer coming in and talking to him, it's like, well, who's your who's your primary customer? Who's your who's your ICP? Or um but you've got two groups and you've got two profiles on either side and you, you know, you're, you're create, being a matchmaker that creates a balance between those two. You touched on a little bit about talking to people and what are you guys doing and what you got going on over there? How much does the story, like this is follow the money, quote, investing with purpose. And sometimes I have a lot, I know a lot of great businesses that struggle with the purpose side because they're not saving the planet. They're maybe not saving the trees or the whales or whatever it might be, but it doesn't mean that it isn't a good business for you. Your passion started to really show up when you talked about creating a better world for this specific group of individuals. How much has that purpose not only helped you, but also as you build your team and you, and we'll talk about a little bit garnering, garnering investment. Cause in those early days, you've got more, more passion than you do product, or you've got more ideas than you've got revenue. How much is that purpose and the, you know, the change, you're trying to create in the world? How much has that played into hiring, recruiting, getting people to kind of swarm around your idea? It, it's everything, man. And it's unquestionably, um, you know, probably our number one superpower at Good Lawyer is the fact that we are so purpose-driven. We are solving a problem that a lot of people understand. Like it's not a complex problem, you know, upfront prices for services delivered makes a ton of sense trying to strip away a lot of the, you know, overhead and excessive kind of partner draws that you get in a law firm that just oh, so inflates we'll the We'll call it cost. legacy. Le- le- legacy. You made the comment, like we were doing it this way for a hundred years. Yeah. And Company, uh, industries that do things for a hundred years a certain way, they don't really care to be disrupted too much. They're ripe, but man, they resist it. <laughs> it's oh. it's literally be, as becomes an institution unto itself. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think that having uh, a purpose-driven company that, is tackling a problem that people can understand and feel. That's one of the sort of biggest benefits, I think, of working at Good Lawyer is this constant feedback that we're getting from the market on both sides, both from startup founders and from Good Lawyers. We're constantly getting this feedback and it is incredibly positive because (laughs) they get it and they've been looking for something better. They've been looking for something new. And when you can deliver that new experience that they've been kind of searching for or, or wishing for, um, it's, it's pretty magical. 
Yeah, that's that's the sauce we all chase, right? As as individuals, as to get us out of bed in the morning, and then to bring a team around, and people gravitate to you when you're doing something like that. That that you hold 100 percent true, which I know I know you do. Talk to me a little bit about the about the money side, the finance. You mentioned you know you last year you looked at your your you said your three your top 300 customers. Just to have a top 300 customer list as a startup is a fantastic accomplishment, and not not to minimize the number or, or maximize it, but. How's the journey been in terms of getting this off the ground, getting some funding, bootstrapping? Talk to us a little bit more about the, in the trenches, it's Tuesday morning and the joke, you're on your kitchen floor, not sure if you can make payroll on Thursday because things aren't quite landed or that one deal didn't come through. Like, how's that been for you over the last three years, which is probably a series of lifetimes all bolted together. Yeah. So, uh, that's our top 300 of over 4,000 founders across Canada. That that's we awesome, man. That's great. Um, in terms of, of the cash flow situation, uh, that's one thing that I've actually um, kind of prided myself on. We've never been in that situation where we're one deal away from, you know, surviving. Um, yeah, even right now, awesome. I know we were talking right before we hit record. Um, we're working on our sneaky seed round right now. And, you know, we've got lots of runway, but um, the, law- the lawyers on Good Lawyer, after they saw the beta kit ad- article last year, uh, I've been banging at my door. And, you know, we, I didn't, we're not going out for this sneaky seed because we're dying for cash right now. We're, we're going out for uh, this financing round because we have some very strategic folks, most notably the lawyers in our network who want a piece of the pie, who want to bet on the future of law that, that we see, that they see. And it just makes a lot of sense to do it right now to, you know, sort of provide a little more cushion and open up some some kind of sexier options when it comes to growth and product development that um my (laughs) i've always joked if i I ever write a book it's going to be called too frugal to fail and uh i think (laughs) i think that everybody on the team understands what that means perfectly and you know we all sacrifice and i think you kind of touched on it earlier a key piece of why everyone on the good lawyer team, um, like the actual, you know, team working out of HQ, you know, there's a few of us lawyers, but mostly, you know, developers, product designers, growth specialists, all the folks on, on my team. Um, there's a willingness to sacrifice because we all share this purpose. We all share this vision of the future. Um, I love to use equity as an incentive tool because it aligns folks incredibly well for the long term, Um, but, yeah, I mean, especially in this environment now, we kind of touched on it briefly too, where, you know, there's a lot of this doom and gloom feelings around, you know, I mean, not so much in Calgary because, you know, things are popping here right now, but globally there's this kind of feeling of doom and gloom. And um, I see it as a incredible opportunity and almost advantage for us because if, if you're one of those companies that can continue to grow through this and can make it to the other end, um, well, you're going to have a lot less competition on the, on the backside <laughs> of that. So, um, uh, there's, we go through the cycles, but I'm, I'm with you and everyone I've been chatting with and certainly, you know, 
garnering all the information you kind of you know we absorb all these myriads of bits and bytes but i'm pretty i'm pretty bullish on western canada right now i've i have been bullish for a long time and even when it was tough there was still and again i joke i talk to people that are doing positive things so i get a cognitive bias that gets reaffirmed every day because i chat with people like you so from my perspective there is some amazing hustling going on in the city right now or this province i don't want to limit it to the city like i know it's collisions yyc but we don't we don't live in a we don't live in a geodesic uh, geodesic dome hey i want to pivot back a little bit because i think this is a good conversation you aired at the beginning of like you know equity models and way to structure your startup in a way that is fair and equitable and really gives people incentive to make the sacrifice and and work and put skin in the game and you said oh some people don't do it because they don't understand it what can you you want to share what you're doing or what you recommend or what you see being the most effective like let's let's get down in the weeds maybe and geek out on this for a bit yeah so when it comes to like the good lawyer team the good team um there's really kind of three buckets of what well, we can call it compensation for simplicity's sake. So there's like kind of three okay, buckets. Yeah, like a total, a total comp perspective. Yeah. There's like three buckets and there's obviously cash and we don't pay a lot of cash. We're, we pay way below market to everybody. And that's, you know, part of the, the secret sauce, but part of also that, um, allowing people to kind of self-select if this is a journey that they're, interested in and willing to to pursue so there's cash we come in under market then there's equity where we come in way above market folks that join the team are getting real tangible pieces of the pie that you won't find at a lot of startups and for me you know there there's a risk to to being so generous on the equity front with your team um if you think you're going to lose people but you know, I'm incredibly proud to say that we have never, we're up to 25 people now, nobody has quit. And uh, you know, the last three years that we've been working on this and growing the team, not a single person. Um, and then the third bucket is the one that you kind of brought up at the beginning, which is this sort of purpose, uh, enjoyment, leveling up as a human kind of piece of the puzzle where, um, you know, we're learning how to do that better all the time. But on the whole, um, I think we have, we've, we've created a, a culture and environment where folks feel empowered to, you know, learn, to fail, to get better and to own a piece of, you know, the puzzle and, and own it themselves, which, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not a micromanager. Um, <laughs> I don't think we would get gotten this far if I was, but yeah, really that, you got your cash comp, you got your equity comp to top it up to something damn close to market. And then you've got this purpose, you know, self almost not to use a buzzword, but fulfillment kind of piece of the yep. puzzle that oh, it's, it's real. Um, I think is a, is a key driver. And, you know, one of the, the main reasons that uh, nobody's left. And is that a conversation that, that you and your team are having or like, again, startups, it's a noisy bunch. They talk to each other. Is that a conversation you're seeing out there where people are so like, how do I set this up? How do I crack this? I'm three, four people. I've got an idea. I've got a little bit of cash. I need to build a team. And we all know there's a talent shortage. We all know, da, 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 da. but there's never a talent shortage for places that people want to go. Exactly. You know I mean? like, yeah, I know. Everyone's talking. <laughs> most about people don't have a talent. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get, I get emails every week now of people reaching That's out. Awesome wanting to join the good lawyer team and it is a crazy kind of place to be like you know if you go back i'd say when we did our good lawyer summit our first one that was probably when we started to really feel it on the lawyer side like lawyers wanted to join the platform right now we've got like a huge wait list of lawyers that want to 
beyond good lawyer as practicing lawyers. Um, but it's even more recent with the team perspective where I'm just getting inbound interest from folks that, you know, are working here, working there, but you know, something that they've seen or an event that they've been at and, you know, connected with some of the team has resonated and they just want to jump on the mission. And it's, uh, it's a pretty incredible place to be at where you have folks in this market where talent is so hard to find, um, you know, wanting to take a huge pay cut from their, you know, cozy corporate gig because they see what we're doing. And again, coming back to that purpose piece, they feel it, they get it and they want to be part of it. That's amazing. And I love, you know, employer branding. It's been thrown around for years and oh, and lots of stats. If you have a strong employer brand, you can reduce your, it's literally a make or break, especially now where, you know, I, was, I had um, Charlene Massey on the other day chatting and she's uh, runs about staffing. She said, Tyler, mark my words, 0% unemployment in Western Canada. She's get your head wrapped around that as an employer. You think you have weeks to decide whether you want to hire that in person? If they're even interested, you have minutes. And you know, when you put that out there, the only thing you have to differentiate that point is brand, unless you're throwing a whole bunch of money. But oftentimes those organizations lack the purpose. I'll, I'll, I'll buy your loyalty or I'll pay you a really good salary, but six months from now you're miserable. And back to, back to that lawyer whose house you were painting. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to go far to find that. Um, Sneaky, sneaky seed. I don't know why that strikes me so funny. On this show, one of my goals. (laughs) Sneaky seed. So good. I'm going to repeat. I'm going to use that in a sense at least three times today. Um, Part of also in the show is I like to wade through some of the the terminology. And you just introduced a new one. So uh, I think most people who have listened to the show to any degree know what a seed seed round is. Um, What makes it sneaky? (laughs) Just, I got to ask. The sneaky part of it is that uh, we're not doing a road show. Hmm. That's the sneaky part. Sounds um, like you've got a, a captive audience already interested in investing. It's kind of how I would have defined it listening to you talk about Yeah, it. we do. Absolutely. Um, and I, I also just think that, you know, it's your first startup. You're trying to figure out, you know, figure it out as you go. And again, <laughs> the name of our startup is Good Lawyer. So you can imagine that we have probably better insights into like the legalities of, how, you know, how the financing um, process and, you know, paperwork, how it all works together and, you know, what needs to be there, what doesn't need to be there. Um, whereas I think a lot of founders just don't have that kind of deep understanding yep, of, for sure. It's um, a blind spot for a lot yeah, of like, They didn't get into it. They didn't get into it for the legal side. They got into it because they're passionate about an idea. You got founders plan. running around with why, you know, YC safes and, you know, trying to get their uncle to sign it. It's like, whoa, 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 that doesn't like make any sense at all. Like, does your uncle know what a preferred chair is? Like, no, like, don't give them preferred shares that, uh, which is why we invented mm, the good lawyer yeah, safe. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think in terms of like just the process of raising money, you know, you hear it time and time again, and there's like so many accelerators built around it where it's like, you know, the startup needs to show off and, you know, check every box. And then if they're lucky and the wind is blowing in the right direction, <laughs> the, you know, they'll be so fortunate to get a check from an angel or a VC. And the fact is, there's a lot of money out there. Even in this sort of doom and gloom period of time, there is more cap, there's more dry powder right now on the sidelines than there has yeah. ever been in the history of, you know, the world. So there is a ton of money waiting to be deployed into, you know, amazing startups that can change the world and, you know, build a better future. And if you believe that you have one of those startups 
and you know you have the the gumption and the team to do it then you're the special one you're the one that there's few few of and you know if if you can mm, i appreciate the flipping the script on that yeah, 100% and you know it's like it's just a psych, it, it, it's it's a, it's kind of it's a funny game it's a weird game but at the end of the day raising money is all about psychology uh, it's all about sort of timing and momentum and if you can mm-hmm. figure out ways to to get that timing and get that momentum then you can play a stronger game and for us you know we're very fortunate to be in a position where our supply side of our marketplace is very cash flow positive and um, that gives yeah, us gotcha. some more interesting tools to work with but just generally speaking i think that far too often and i definitely fell into this early days founders get sucked in to the vc or the angel world and you know are trying to chase that shiny object which is like that investor check that you're just dying for and if you're able to flip the script it just puts you in a significantly better negotiating position which ultimately raising money is all about well, you, you know, we, 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 we circled around ideal customer profile. It's also ideal investor profile, right? Which is what I'm hearing you identify is that you have a value proposition and a story that resonates with a certain group who also happens to have some free cash flow or also professionals that are also, you don't have to explain to them what they're doing. They already get it. They already understand that there's a problem. So that's an interesting, I want to participate or, hey, financially, how can I get involved? Because I know this industry well. I've been in it for 10 years. Yeah, you're right. It's broken. You've had the chance to, that's, that must make for a very different conversation than someone going, okay, what do you do again? Explain it to me again. You're like, okay, that's all right. But I've got this whole group of people that are already telling me about the problems that I'm solving. It's a very different investor conversation, right? <laughs> totally. And you know, I think even beyond mm, that part that. too, it's like, you know, the normal flow, if you're raising a seed round from angels or VCs is to, you know, do some pitches, take some meetings. You know, a lot of folks talk about doing like, oh, I did like 200 VC pitches. And I'm like, holy shit, I don't know how you could possibly do that. I feel like I would like just break (laughs) from all the rejections. (laughs) But ultimately, the VC or the angel is presenting a term sheet more often than not. And that's not the case with us. We present the term sheet we make it binary. Are you in or are you not in? Because I've got a whole list of folks that I know are coming in. So um, I think Hmm. just taking control back of a process that is far too dictated by the investors and not nearly enough by the founders um, has been one of the secrets to our success. And, um, you know, our whole mission is to help founders succeed. And, you know, stay tuned. We'll be rolling out a new legal product that we invented called the Good Lawyer Safe. And it's a founder friendly safe that actually makes sense for founders raising from, you know, folks in their network, whether it's family and friends or, you know, close business colleagues, people that believe in the founder um, and providing some tools, some legal tools to actually be able to raise from those people in an economic you know, in a way that makes sense. You, know, you can go out and take yeah. the good lawyer safe or, you know, use our basic equity round product to raise 50K from, you know, a bunch of your buddies or a bunch of folks that you used to work with because they believe in you as a founder. And it's not going to cost you 40 grand in transaction fees. It's going to cost you 2000 <laughs> I was going to say, it's not even worth raising 50 because you're going to burn half of it in fees at it's least. Until now, we rolled out a product. <laughs> 2700 nice. okay. bucks, Tyler, 2700 bucks to do what I would have done in the big firm for 25K. And we're not automating that, 
that is going to a former big law partner who's banging out the financing deals. I have the one I'm picturing in Alberta right now for $2,700 because she's putting every one of those dollars in her pocket. We're stripping out this insane. She's doing it after, after dinner, after dinner on a Tuesday. (laughs) Totally. And and, and we just scoped it in such a way that it's super fast for her. She knows exactly. She's coming in. She knows exactly what the mandate is. She can get to work right away. Talk to the founder, give them some advice on like what needs to happen to close this round and just get right to the point. And for me, that's been my biggest grievance with the profession that I'm part of is we are like a friction attacks on founder success. And if we can just reduce (laughs) that tax, reduce that friction, we're going to see more founders succeed because they get a fair shake. They get a chance to build this thing because they weren't stifled and they can get that early little bit of capital that they need to test the market or, you know, build that MVP. I really appreciate removing the friction concept and the, the idea of productization I love. And even as a marketing agency, we've been going through some of that on our own, like getting caught in the consulting trap, which is inefficient for everybody versus like, I know you, I know what you need. Boom. Here's the offering and it delivers. And the discipline, it, you know, those things are easy to flip off in a conversation like this, but they take a lot of work and thought, but removing the friction to setting up founders for success. I've had so many people on about ooh, getting the wrong evaluation, setting up the wrong terms, getting too overcommitted with one group. And then all of a sudden it screws you down the road. Like there is so much vulnerability for startups at that early stage with could destroy what was ultimately an amazing idea, but it wasn't the idea that failed. It was everything around it that created too much friction. I really like the way you, you kind of laid that out and gets, gets me enthused about it because we've all had the, how much are you fucking kidding me? When you get the bill from the lawyer, we've all had that experience. If you've been in business at all ever. Well, and again, you know, this is robbery. I'm being robbed. (laughs) The other kicker here. So, you know, if you're raising money, there's sort of just, there's really only two buckets that you need to worry about. The economic bucket, what are the economic rights of the company and the investor, you know, under that financing document? And what are the control rights? And what we've done and the approach that we've taken at Good Lawyer, which frankly is very weird if you're looking at the market, but Frank, but very beneficial to the company and you know all the people on the team that own material pieces of good lawyer is everybody has the same economic interests everybody has common a's everybody has the same shares but nobody except for me has any voting control mm, okay. which creates a situation where we're all on the ride together we're all on this journey together and we'll win together but when we go for series A, which is the, you know, coming up after the sneaky sieve, um, the series A investors who are going to be coming in with, you know, huge checks and a lot of leverage, they only have to deal with me as, you know, the CEO, okay. yeah, the original yeah. founder, because it, it gives the company more leverage if all of the control is in the hands of one person or a very tight group of people than mm-hmm. having all of these minority investors with tiny little control interests which is literally just like almost like having dents on your car. You know what I mean? These like little micro control interests is just like having dents on your car. I just made that up right now, but I like it. Um, (laughs) And it, and it reduces your value. I was, I was literally picturing it as you were describing it. So yeah, you nailed the metaphor. It it reduces your value. It destroys the the value of the car. Exactly. So, you know, a situation where you can keep it simple, keep the economic interests aligned for everybody. And then you can maintain control as the founder because it gives you and the rest of your existing investors the most leverage when it comes to negotiating with the big boys 
in, in our case at the Series A level. And such a great example of what you don't know now can absolutely hurt you later kind of mindset, right? Totally. And all of these financing documents, like, and, I, and like the Y Combinator safe is the one that comes to mind that, you know, everybody's like, oh, the Y Combinator safe, like it must be so founder friendly. It's like, no, it's not. It's been drafted by by lawyers who work for the investors. You even look at the Canadian Venture Capital Association, like, you know, it's, they're, they're not trying to be malicious or anything, but those agreements, those standard form agreements have been drafted by law firms working for investors. And what we're rolling out is a new way, new approaches to raising money built by a startup for other startups. And we're not beholden who to any sort to of le- who happen who happens to have legal expertise. <laughs> yeah, we, we're okay at it. You know, we're not we're, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate like just the example of falling in love with whose problem and flipping the script that way and putting more of it equalizing the power versus it's you know if I bestow you my check then you will be, be, be beholden to me for, to the end oh, of time. Kind of kind of you know don't, you know speaking from the ivory tower as I do. Kind of, kind of mindset behind the curtain. Don't look because there's somebody pulling some levers. You know, lots of metaphors and analogies. But have you, I, that was have a really watched, great example. Have you watched? Uh, and I, I hate that this idea of mine came from this show, but we crashed. Sorry, we no, I have not watched it yet. Oh, it's on my got, list. No, I have it not. It, it's good. Same okay. as, uh super pumped. Um, but if we crashed, I can't even remember enhancing the world's consciousness or something like that. Like it like something like real fluffy like that is their kind of mission yeah, yeah. as the company. But it did trigger me. And if I had to kind of go down that track with sort of good lawyers mission, you know, helping founders succeed, I could reframe that, unleashing the world's potential. Because I think that founders and startups are truly the ones driving the future, changing the world we live in. And if we can reduce this tax, this legal tax that my profession has put on every <laughs> founder everywhere in the world, we're going to unleash more founders and the world's going to look a whole lot cooler. Well, it's a way more inclusive way. You know, if we talk about inclusion, just this, who's getting, who's getting by default, like the game is rigged kind of mindset. You know what I mean? Keep, keeping those groups out Tyler, where that is the disruption. I agree with you. 55%, just, I love it. Yeah. 55% of our lawyers on Good Lawyer, and it might have even creeped up since I last checked this, are women. 38% Because you're Because pro- you're providing accessib- accessibility. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, honestly, if I had to sort of pick the ICP lawyer, like customer on the lawyer side, it is a woman that was working in a traditional law firm, often a big one, who was just like, I, this doesn't make sense. I can't, like, I, I can't. Doesn't work. Doesn't work like, I doesn't work for me. Yeah, this yeah. doesn't work for me. And then they quit the profession, which is, you know, I think it's like 60% of women leave the private practice of law in the first five years. It's something insane. And, you know, Good Lawyer is just this new way of doing something we've been doing for a long time that fits. Love how it levels the playing field. It does. Exactly. This is a a perfect opportunity. Um, Brad, I'm going to hand you the magic wand. You can do whatever you want with it. You can take something away. You can add something, blow something up, build something. What would you What would you do with your uh, magic wand? Typically, in reference to this startup ecosystem in Western Canada, but again, it's your magic wand, oh, so no, you can do whatever right you can do whatever with your life. I'm right down that alley, buddy. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm stoked to be on on this pod because I'm a Calgary Homer. This is this is where I grew up. This is where I was born and raised. 
I did go up to Edmonton for uni for a little while, but I came back. Um, <laughs> we won't hold that against you. We're, we're all, we all are. Hey, as as a global power, we need to we need to group together. Oh, Each city I, on I its own Edmonton. doesn't have enough weight. Even, yeah, we're, we're all together anymore. I'm gonna be rooting for them now that they knocked us out. Um, <laughs> but um, for me, I always felt you know if I go back three or four years and you know good lawyers in those early days. I straight up assumed that I would have to leave Calgary. It was like, there's no way I can build this like world changing startup in Calgary, Alberta. Like it just didn't feel like that at all. So, you know, I had my sights on, you know, am I going to go to Toronto? Am I going to go to Vancouver? Am I going to, you know, get a little bit more aggressive and go down to San Fran? And I was kind of percolating on these ideas and the change and the, the shift in attitudes and, the vision for the city that I think a lot of people share now is just so fresh and so tech and startup heavy. You know, we talked about it briefly. I, I was sitting on a panel with the mayor and the minister of the economy, like that's wild. And you know, this like, <laughs> I, like you know, if it was Andrew Chow, it would make sense, but it wasn't, it was Brett of good lawyer, which is this, this like little pipsqueak startup still. Um, but I think it is so telling for where, our city's going in the direction we're taking. And so if I had a magic wand, it would be to turn just one, I'm not greedy, just one of the big empty towers, downtown Calgary, and allocate a little bit of that hundred million downtown revitalization mm -hmm. kitty and unlock one building for startups. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to have heat, water, and Wi-Fi, and, and we're ready to rock and roll. So, uh, if Mayor Gondek listens to this, I can see back, him tomorrow. And like, on every that's, floor. That's, yep. that's the, uh, if I can, yeah, that would be it. Well, back to reducing friction, back to taking away barriers. If the, you know, there's a legal tax, well, there's also a overhead tax. And, you know, although uh, work remote has a lot of value and a lot of benefits, and I'm a huge advocate of it. When you're incubating a new idea, there's certain work that you just got to bang some people together to make it happen. It, Man, it, it, I, it's different. It's I not about founders, where, it's the type of work you need to do for sure. Mm -hmm. I have founders stop by almost every Friday for, you know, a beer or a glass of wine at the end of the day at, at the good lawyer office. And Every single time a founder or a group of them come by, we have these unbelievable conversations. I learned something, they learned something. We all feel great because we're getting to, you know, jam with, with people that get it, that understand sort of our stresses. And, you know, frankly, even within the team, like, I, you know, I, I work with some of my best friends and, you know, we have this amazingly sort of, um, what's the word? Um, we got a great group and very, you know, sort of supportive yeah. of one another, but they still don't get it because they're not in my head. Whereas when I talk to the founder, like Maggie at Park Champ popped by last Friday, she, she gets it. She like, she's in, she's in my head because she's in the same shoes as me with her company. And just to bring startup folks together and collide and learn from each other in a way more frequent way, especially now that the world's turning back on, I can't think of a better way to do that than just unlock one of the empty office buildings and let us jam there. And we can use it as a magnet to start pulling some great talent from other cities where, you know, if you're in Toronto and you're a startup, like you're never getting an office, like ever. So why not come to Calgary? We have this amazing totally. building dedicated to startups. Which I really appreciate. Take 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 something that we've take take a, take a burden and turn it into an asset. Basically, to, yeah, 100%. To simplify that whole. Thing. What city do you know of that has nine empty office towers? Like 
from class A to class C, nine mm-hmm. empty office towers. Like I don't, I'm, I can't think of a single city anywhere that has that. No, it's absolutely, because you step back, it's it's all scarcity, not abundance. And we have an abundance, which feels like a bit of a boat anchor. So I do appreciate the, uh, and I, I love it. That, that feels like it's not like, that's a magic wand, but it doesn't feel impossible. So what what is that like, you know what I mean? I, I get a few magic wand answers. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. But I don't see how that could happen. This is, I can see this. I can look far enough down the horizon that this could be a thing. Is there any chance or what, what, what do people need to do after they get off this episode? Who do, what petition do they need to sign or who do they need to call to help uh, accelerate this idea? I like this magic wand idea. It's it, it started as a crazy idea and it's starting to get some serious legs. So if anybody's listening to this and, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to work on the name right now. We're calling it the Good Building Project. And if you if this is resonating, you believe that you know, our we could restart to start just start to reshape our downtown by encouraging startups to come down there. Um, and frankly, for fantastic bang for the buck, I, I might add, you know, we don't need leasehold improvements. You just we just need the keys. Um, shoot me an email, <laughs> Brett B R E T T at GoodLawyer.ca. Uh, I'd love to. And that's the other thing. Like this, this is already moving and I already have a few other startup founders in town who want to contribute to it, you know? So we, we like, we want to give back even though we got limited resources and there are other startup founders that want to give back to this community and really drive this forward. So, um, hopefully the powers that be can get on board and we can, you know, start to really move the dial on building a new Calgary. I love it. Boom. Mic drop. That was a great Brett. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Kudos, man. It was good to meet you a couple of years ago, hear the story and all it's done is evolve and, and, and focus and streamline. And I love your passion. And I love the clarity that's evolved even from chatting with you now to then I haven't gone back and re-listened to your episode, but I can just feel like how much sharper you are around what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it really resonates. And I love the success that you've been having. And I love seeing you guys around town with your, with your, uh, your shirts on with a good lawyer and you're doing so great with the brand, but kudos, man. Thanks for coming on board. Obviously goodlawyer.ca. You already mentioned it. You threw out your email, which I appreciate, but I encourage anybody to reach out and have a chat. I love my conversations with you and love your energy, my friend. Keep up the good work. Well, same to you, man. I think uh, you're doing a fantastic job at you know helping tell the stories of our city and uh, making everybody you know smile and making the, the whole thing a little bit brighter. So keep up the fantastic work and uh, rest assured, I'll be putting a good lawyer some chill aside for you, my friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, my friend. <laughs>